Today is Friday, May 28th, 2021. That which does not kill me makes me stronger. Nietzsche. You're listening to episode 244, Aging and How to Stop It, with Dr. Sandra Kaufman. And the guy was asking me, well, why would longevity have any reference or relevance to my company? And I cited exactly that example, right? Mm. Why is the old guy in the corner that knows more than everyone in this office put together? He, you're going to retire him because he can't walk up the stairs, Yeah. right? But what if he could? What if he was just the most energetic person in the world? He could take your company to the next level because he's yeah. been there that he's got the connections he's got the information he has the experience it just helps everybody it yeah. really does you know and the other thing that i find extraordinarily painful is i watch people as they get older you know they take all of their energy and they put it in their career and then they retire and then they die yeah where's the fun in that right you you put in your time you save your money my god wouldn't you want to travel the world and jump out of airplanes or you know go on adventures or do whatever it is you can do This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for being here. Happy Friday to you, or whenever you happen to be, or wherever you happen to be. Today we're having a great conversation about anti-aging, one of my favorite topics. My guest is Dr. Sandra Kaufman. She's the creator and author of the Kaufman Protocol, Why We Age and How to Stop It, the world's first scientifically organized methodology for decelerating the aging process. In her spare time, she's a pediatric anesthesiologist and an outdoor enthusiast. She's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board and has recently received an accolade from the American Health Council as Best in Medicine. She's a certified expert on the science of medicine and specifically anti-aging. She's also the founder of the Kaufman Anti-Aging Institute, a forward-thinking educational company with the overarching goal of educating the general public on why we age and how we can minimize the effects of aging to live longer, healthier lives. The Kaufman Protocol, which has both a book and an app on the market, is the product of this and is underpinned by Sandra's longevity and cellular biology expertise. Today, I'm going to pick Dr. Sandy's brain about everything she knows about anti-aging. You know, she's got an innovative science-based approach to aging through her protocol, so we're going to see what that's all about and what the main causes of aging are and what you can do to incorporate certain habits and a few select compounds that have been researched to take control of your aging train. If you want a little more info about Dr. Sandra or the Kaufman Protocol, you can go to www.kaufmanprotocol.com. That's spelled K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, protocol.com. I'll put a link for it on the show notes for this episode. This is episode 244, danceoflife.com slash podcast. If you want to stay in touch and kind of get regular updates there, but the show notes will be posted there all the time. 
As always, I appreciate you guys for being here and thank you so much for listening. Let's do this. Aging and how to stop it with Dr. Sandra Kaufman. Well, I am super excited to have you on the show. I mean, I think uh, I have, I've interviewed quite a few people on, you know, biohacking stuff, and that's certainly a big part of the show, but I haven't talked to anybody about uh, specifically what you and I are going to talk about, which is aging, which is really cool, you know, and all the kind of stuff that you've discovered through your research. So first, I'm curious, how did you get into this path? I mean, were you always sort of into the research that you're into biohacking, this kind of stuff, or was it some, was something that happened in your life that kind of motivated you to, to go down this path with your expertise? Uh, well, to start with, no, I, I didn't start down this path. I don't think anyone does until you get older. And then you, you hit some moment, you go, Oh my God, I'm getting older. What can I possibly do? The about train this? is moving and it's going towards a cliff. we got to do something about right? it. <laughs> right. And actually, so my train, I was sitting, so I'm a rock climber and a mountain climber. Oh, nice. I love rock climbing. Same thing. Right. Cause climbing is with ropes and, and you do a lot of free stuff. climbing or uh bouldering and no. stuff like that. No, I'm more of a track climber. Um, okay. a lot of ropes. I'm a five, 10, 11 climber. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I hit 45 and I was outside hanging off a cliff and I thought, I got to do something about this aging business because I can't <laughs> do this forever. I mean, it's really tough on your body. Oh yeah. Um, Climbing for sure. Amazingly fun, but like your joints hurt, your fingers hurt, everything yeah. hurts. And I was surrounded by these kids. I'm like, Oh my God, I have got to figure out how I can keep doing this and mm. turn off this ridiculous thing called aging. Um, and of course, when I said this to people, they thought, Oh my God, you are just dumber than a box of rocks. You can't stop aging. Um, but before I went to med school, I was a cell biologist. Um, so I know a ton about cells and physiology. And then of course I went to med school. So now I know a ton about human physiology, biochemistry, pharmaco pharmacodynamics, pharmacokinetics, all of those wonderful things. And if you mix all of those things around, you realize that you can change the way cells behave. Yeah. And all aging is, is cells not behaving well. Um, so if you look at all of the reasons that cells age and you sort of block them or stop them to a certain degree, I always call it deceleration of aging, um, mm. then you can make yourself way better off. That's so, that's so inspiring. And it's, I think one thing that a lot of people, I read this book, um, God, I'm, I'm getting the title jazzed up in my brain now, but by David Sinclair, it's like, uh, why we age, why we don't have to, I think. Right. And he is a jerk because he stole my title, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's wow. a cheater because he, you know, he's a real, you know, he's a research scientist and he's sure, a Harvard. Yeah. It's all yeah, the cute Superstar Hollywood right. everything. Yeah. Right. So ironically, I'm in Hollywood, Florida, but it's not quite the real Hollywood. Um, and I did go to Hopkins, but I'm presently in private practice. I'm the chief of anesthesia at a pediatric hospital. Um, and I wrote a book and I put it out. It was called Why We Age and How to Stop It. Um, specifically the first half is exactly why you age. It's the seven tenets of aging. Yeah. And the second half was how to reverse all of those things. And then when he came out with his book, I was a little bit annoyed, <laughs> but, but what are you going to do? Was it in uh, close proximity? I mean, were you guys kind of working together or something or? No, not at all. I, I've never actually met him. Oh, uh, I see. Gotcha. No, I think it was honestly completely a random thing. Yeah. It's interesting though. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, 
I've done a lot of reading myself, you know, I've done a lot of research and writing and things like that. But I mean, some of this stuff is just so much you can tolerate without having to gone to school for 10 years. I mean, I think there's a lot you can learn without having to, you know, get a medical degree, but uh, I'll be honest that when it came to the aging, like methylation and, you know, uh, some of the, the very specific epigenetic things that are happening, like mitochondria, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about them, obviously, and hopefully we can simplify them <laughs> for people that have never uh, opened a, a textbook or, you know, research study or anything like that. But it is it is fascinating. And the thing that I'm left with is that everybody believes that aging is a disease, that sort of this incurable disease that we just have to resign to. And I think that the moment that you can shift that perspective, that you can affect aging. Like it's not, you know, it's not this curse that we just have to roll over and die at, you know, okay, I'm 70 or 80 time to, you know, just lose quality of my life. And it's, that's an inspiring thing, but I think a lot of people don't realize that. So how do you, how do you get that across first? Because I think if, if somebody can realize first that, Hey, aging is something that's a fluid thing that I can manipulate. Cause there's people that are 20 or 30 that are treating their bodies like shit. And you know, they're way older than, you know, they're supposed to be. So aging is a fluid thing that we have control over. So I think once somebody crosses that important sort of ideological step, then all the other stuff just becomes, you know, a playground to explore, you know? So how do you help people? How do you, how do you help people cross that uh, idea, I guess, into? Well, I think that one of the things that people have to understand um, that before the last 10 years or so, the idea of longevity was pretty much like quackery and very nice thinking. People said, do yoga, you know, do all these lovely things and maybe you'll live longer. And the answer is it probably helped, but not a ton. And there wasn't a lot of science behind it. So one of my goals is to bring science to people and explain that it's not bullshit. I don't know if this this place gets uh, bleeped or not. You know, I, oh, I tend to swear to the fine. vernacular. It's, it's not <laughs> crap. It's real science. And I don't expect people necessarily to understand all of it, but yeah. I expect them to understand some of it and to understand that, you know, what goes into your body and what you do with your body. It's, it's, must, there's a factory model in my book. So I can explain everything in terms of how a factory works and how your body works. Um, and even more simple, there's an analogy of a car, right? You buy a new car and everything's fantastic. Well, you know, if you don't change the oil, it's going to die faster, yeah. right? If you don't, you know, change, check the spark plugs, put air in the tires, et cetera. If, if you don't upkeep your machinery, it is going to fail. And our, our bodies are the same way, right? What we do affects the longevity. Um, and even if people don't necessarily buy into the longevity thing, we talk about health span yeah. versus lifespan, right? So even if you don't want to live to be 120, I bet you don't want to be sick, right? No one wants to be in their 50s, 60s, 70s and have cancer or have, you know, all these debilitating illnesses, which just make their lives miserable, right? My, my grand scheme is to live to about 120 and then fall off a cliff because I know <laughs> I'm going to die at some point, but I want to do it like on my own terms. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the car uh, analogy because in the the recent book that I, I wrote, there was a chapter on aging. And I open with this story about my dad is one of the, he's retired now, but he's, he was one of the top mechanics in the country for Acura. So he was like number three in the country, one of the top techs. And he had this client who was like super religious about bringing his car in 
to, to get it maintained. It was a 2002 Acura RL, very good quality car. And this guy, I mean, he was like on point with absolutely everything you could be on point with. And of course my dad was also a good mechanic. And so long story short, this car, I ended up getting the car cause the guy just like sold it for like a thousand bucks. And so I was like, all right, you know, I'll buy it. It had, by the time I got rid of it and sold it to someone else, it had 600,000 miles on it, which is, I mean, you know, that's the life of like three, three good lives of a car, you know? So uh, it was just a, a testament to me because it's like, wow, you know, in my mind, like I always looked at cars, I'm like, they're a depreciating asset. And to, and to some extent they really are. I mean, you buy a car, it's like, you know, it's a losing investment, but it was a real wake up call to me about the same thing that you just mentioned, which is, you know, if you are on point with everything and really do your best, you can really extend what seems possible to the impossible almost, you know, I, I think so. That's really interesting. Well, I, you know, it's it's absolutely true. And I kind of treat my cars like garbage and I should probably treat <laughs> them better. Um, but our bodies, yeah, it's true. If you understand what you need to do, there's no reason that you can't live a much better, fuller, healthier life. And I can't understand why anyone would ever argue against that because there's scientific evidence, people are doing it now and it works and it lowers healthcare costs and it makes everybody win in the long term. So sort of my goal is to sort of get out there and say, you know, people get your little butts together. Let's, let's be healthier and let's live better. That's an interesting point you raised too, actually, which is the healthcare costs, because I think I read a statistic somewhere that even with like probiotics, for example, like if people were somehow, you know, taking probiotics regularly and improving their gut health, uh, you know, it would save like billions annually for, for digestive concerns. Cause obviously millions and millions of people have digestive concerns. And so it's really interesting to think it's so funny. God, I was just in an, I would just, you know, I've been in a lot of like Facebook wars lately on my, uh, on my Facebook feed. It's, it's kind of my way of finding who I need to unfriend still. So I'll post something controversial <laughs> and, <laughs> and see who, who responds. But I, I posted something about, I think it was like, it was about the pharmaceutical industry. I was like, you know, don't you think it's a little weird that you get a patent for, you know, for a cure or something for a company should own the rights to basically a cure or a treatment. And of course that just opened up Pandora's box and a lot of, you know, people responded on both sides. And, um, you know, I, I went into it and, and I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, if people were healthy and if people were taking you know, supplements and, you know, taking care of their health, understanding their genes, all these different kinds of things that we're talking about. You wouldn't need a pharmaceutical industry to begin with. Like what would health even look like? I mean, you probably would still have doctors, I'm sure, but uh, you know, it would be a very, very different institution. And I don't think it would be as institutionalized and as just bloated as it is because most of it is probably uh, curable or treatable with good self-care practices and awareness and, taking ownership of your health rather than just kind of being this, uh, you know, passenger and then waiting for things to break. And then you suddenly are stuck in the system waiting for somebody to see you. I mean, it's just such a, an unworkable system. So it, anyway, to your point about, you know, saving the healthcare billions and billions of dollars on healthcare, it's like, yeah, I'm sure insurance premiums would be a lot lower too. I wouldn't have to choose between not having insurance or paying, you know, $400 a month just for like casualty, you know, coverage, which is just absurd to me, but anyway. 
No, but in, in, to sort of press this point, which I think is kind of cool, you keep saying, okay, we're going to treat a disease. Yeah. My philosophy is like, let's avoid the disease in the first place. Right. Right. Yeah. We know that you get certain or the relative risk of certain diseases goes up by age for very specific reasons. And if you can block those reasons, you block the disease. Right. So for a few pennies a day for the supplements that they're taking, and actually I call them molecular agents and we can talk about why in a minute. Yeah. But if you can block the onset of diseases, you don't have to treat anything. Yeah. Right. And, and granted, you can't get rid of congenital issues or, you know, strong gen, uh, yet. genetic things yet. yet. <laughs> and, you know, it's really hard to avoid trauma because people are idiots. Um, but you could truncate a ton of healthcare costs if people were just prophylactic and understanding that, yeah, you can block a lot of this stuff. It's super easy if you know what's coming. Well, I think it's an investment in yourself. I mean, either way, I'll never forget when I was in fresh out of college many years ago and, and kind of my first job was actually sort of a, a regular job, quote unquote, regular in a cubicle working for social security, doing uh, welfare claims, disability welfare claims. I was just seeing people every day that were, you know, just down on their luck and just crazy situations. And I mean, I'll never forget like all these people on like dozens and dozens of medications. I'm like, how are you even walking? Like you have, you know, a medication for your medication, you know, it's just like, just sad. It was just really sad to me, you know? And so I'm like, you know, either way, the future, <clears throat> you're going to take pills, you know, you're going to take something, you're going to have to discipline yourself into putting some sort of concentrated nutrition in your body, because you can't get it from just eating food. It's just not possible. You know, that would be nice, but you know, maybe a thousand years ago, but uh, you have to discipline yourself to that extent. And you have to a lot, I think everybody should have a health budget, whatever's reasonable for you to a lot towards, okay, what are the interventions that can make the biggest bang for my buck every month that I can sort of allot this money for? Why? Because that way I don't have to spend money later, you know, on, on, uh, you know, doctor's bills and all the, all the crap. I mean, like take that, take your teeth, for example, even though it's uh, not necessarily related, but I think dental health is important for aging and there's a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, your teeth, for example, it's like, it's way cheaper to have, a few sort of simple habits, you know, and how to maintain your oral health than to get to the downward spiral of like crowns and implants and, you know, root canals and all the bullshit that comes with, with, with all that stuff, which is like thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? So I think it's the same principle is that you have to be willing to invest in your health today so that you can be healthy tomorrow. Right. I mean, that's the idea. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, what are some of the ways that people age themselves the most? Like, I know that there's a lot of things we can do and we'll talk about them, but out of, you know, sometimes the biggest difference is the things that you don't do. Right. So what are some of the things that age people the most? Uh, okay. Well, you talked about intrinsic and extrinsic aging, yeah. right? And I pretty much specialize in intrinsic aging yeah. because I think that it's hard to change people's extrinsic habits. So people what's the difference either, between the two, by the way, so that people. No, are, an intrinsic yeah. thing, like let's let's just take a cell and yeah. put it in a culture. Over the course of time, if you left it completely alone, it's going to fail. Yeah. Okay. And I can tell you why it's going to fail because there's seven tenets of cellular aging, and that's what that is. If you start. Uh, attacking that cell with stuff from the exterior, uh, UV light, chemicals, smoke, all of those sorts of things, that's sort of external aging. 
right? Mm. The problem with external aging is I can tell people stay out of the sun, but they still think it's cooler to go sunbathe, right? I can tell people to go exercise, but if you're a couch potato, you're not going to change, right? Uh, in terms of diet, I am the guiltiest person in the world because I, I eat donuts every day. I'm the world's <laughs> most infamously pathetic eater ever. Uh, and I shouldn't broadcast it, but I kind of do because I don't think people need to think that you need to be perfect to accomplish your goal, yeah. right? And it would be fantastic if I sat down and ate a salad every day for breakfast, but I don't. Uh, if people want to, that's fantastic. But I'm not to, I am not out to change people's way of life. I am trying to change their intrinsic cellular aging, right? Gotcha. And if I can turn your cellular clock back to when you were 30 and nothing affected you, then you win because you can keep your bad habits and have good cells. Sounds like a sounds like a nice deal. <laughs> well, that was sort of the plan because I didn't want to give up my craziness. I, I beat myself up all the time climbing. I'm constantly yeah. in like epoxic environments on the top of mountains. Um, and again, I do eat a donut every damn day that people can't stand that I do that. Uh, but again, I don't smoke and I'm an exercise addict. So, you know, everything has pros and cons, but I don't want people to think that they have to change their lives entirely to have a good life. Yeah. Right. Someone asked me at a presentation once, do I have to give up cigars? And I said, if you really enjoy them and they make you happy, don't give it up. But you have to understand that every puff is like a billion free radicals. Right. So if you're going to do that, you need to combat your free radicals. Like everything has a cost. You just have to be willing to pay that cost. No, that's a good point. I mean, every every freedom that we want comes with some sort of thing we have to trade. And so, you know, it's like, okay, you could you can do that, but what and I think that's where it goes back to under, being willing to understand your body, which is what we said at the beginning, is really taking on that journey because everybody's different and you may have certain genes that predispose you to, you know, let's say worse being worse off, you know, in those situations, smoking a cigar, whereas another person might have, you know, you're still getting the free radicals, but because of their genes, maybe they're, you know, a little more uh, resistant to it, you know? So you really have to take on that journey, understand, okay, what are some of the things that are a big gamble for me? And, mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the things that are not? So, right. Great. So what I do is I develop longevity programs for people but we customize them for these issues, mm. right? So we attack all the seven reasons of aging and I can sort of explain that later if you want or whenever you want. Yeah, let's um, jump into it. We can jump into what are the seven tenets of aging because they're pretty interesting. They, they are pretty cool. And, and at the same time, remind me and I'll tell you what disease entities or bad habits can affect each of, the, each of them. So that's okay. kind, of, kind of fun. So tenet one has to do with DNA. And it's, I call it DNA alterations. And in my factory model, it's basically any written information that your company or factory is going to need. And two big things in this category are telomere length, because your telomeres get shorter with time, right? And that's rate limiting. Um, and then epigenetic modification. And of course, our methylation pattern changes over time, right? In terms of how you can affect your aging, the more you stress out your body, the faster your telomere length shrinks. And we can measure that and you can sort of have a rough estimate of how old you are physiologically. Uh, and the same goes with epigenetics. Uh, you can measure your epigenetic clock. I think there's four or five versions at this point. Uh, it's a ratio of hypo to hypermethylated pieces of your DNA. And it basically tells you, again, how physiologically old or young you are. Yeah. Your diet and your lifestyle significantly affect your epigenetic modification. Um, so this is why twins uh, change as they get older. 
right? They look identical when they're younger. The older they get, the more and more different they are because their epigenetics changes. Interesting. Uh, so one thing that you can do positively in this category, especially, is there are positive epigenetic modifying foods, right? So like ECGC from green tea, uh, sulforaphane, uh, there's a whole bunch of them, but they're fantastic, positively oriented epigenetic modifiers. Um, the other thing is you can also affect your telomere length. So that's kind of cool as well. That basically is 10 at one. I have a question about that one really quick, because I actually took a Horvath clock test last year for the first mm -hmm. time. And I was kind of surprised because I guess, I mean, I don't have any data to, to really compare it to, but it came out over methylated, right? So I'm 36 and it came out, you know, you're 39, you know, so they tried to frame it in a nice way. Like, oh, you're, you know, younger than, you know, three per 30% of the people. I was like, that means I'm older than 70% of the people, you know, in my category. So I'm really curious because, uh, you know, as far as like lifestyle and everything, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't smoke or anything like that, I drink. And I've been taking supplements and, you know, minerals, enzymes, you know, antioxidants, all that good stuff for a while. So I'm really, that, that was a puzzle that I've been trying to figure out. I've got some other puzzles going on, but that was the one that I was like, you know, I, I'm really curious to figure out how can you sort of reduce that methylation? Obviously you don't want it to be too reduced because there's other things that are needed to methylate, but how do you, how do you treat that? I mean, how, you know, how right. do you... So it's not good to be hyper or hypomethylated. It's yeah, exactly. a ratio. It's a ratio. Yeah. And the Horvath clock specifically, and this is kind of an old clock. There are newer ones that look at more specific pieces. But originally Steve Horvath looked at 363 areas of your DNA. Uh, if they were, again, hypo or hypermethylated and compared that ratio to different ages. Mm. So if, if, if you're one year off, you're right on track. That is not a big deal at all. You're totally fine. Gotcha. Uh, and people that make these tests like to think that their test is the end-all be-all. Right. Right. And you have to remember that that is giving you your epigenetic clock, but it's not telling you anything any, in any of the other categories. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not giving you your telomere length. It's not telling you about your glycation. It's not telling you about any of the other categories. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Are there any uh, in in the methylation department? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't take any test uh, as an absolute because it's it's just a picture of a moving phenomenon. But I'm curious if you found anything in the methylation department that is, I guess, up to date, relatively, you know, or better. So quality right. test. So what, so what you? It doesn't really. The test itself is probably not all that relevant. The mm, best gotcha. one comes from BioViva. A good friend of mine, Liz Parrish, puts it out. I don't remember how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of genes she looks at, but it is extraordinarily specific. Oh wow! Um, the real, it's expensive, but the real question is: is does it matter? Right. Yeah. And, and I would argue that it doesn't. Right. Um, I would focus on epigenetic modifying in a positive fashion. And it's not just taking methyl groups. It's about optimizing the enzymes that affect your epigenetics. Um, and I have this thing called the Kaufman rating system. And I've looked at, uh, there's 15 agents in my book. There's 30 on my website and I'm writing the second book now. So there'll be, I don't know, 36 more or something. And they're rated in each of the seven tenants. And granted, we're only on tenant one, but it tells you how particularly good it is at affecting your epigenetics. Hmm. So if you bombard your system with positive epigenetic modifiers, 
you're probably doing much better than just worrying about straight up methylation. Because epigenetics is not just methylation. Your DNA gets methylated, but your histones also get decorated. They get phosphorylated, acetylated, as well as methylated. And it's a whole combination of these factors that affect DNA translation and transcription. I guess the, the biggest thing on my mind with all this stuff, you know, it's it's so relevant and so important, but how do you, I mean, how do you evaluate anything that you do? You have to be able to evaluate your progress somehow. Right. And it's, it's not a very, mercury- not necessarily a lot of this. I mean, people want to, you want to measure something, take a test, fix it, and then measure it again. Right. Yeah. My take is probably a little bit different. Hmm. You know that you are aging every day. Right. Can you measure it? No. Right. You can't, but you know, it's happening. So the goal is to anti-age just a little bit every day. Will you actually be able to measure it? Probably not. Um, if you measure it, it's, it's playing the long game versus the short game, yeah. right? We know that certain agents are positive epigenetic modifiers, right? If you look at risks and benefits of taking a pill of ECGC every day, it's 400 milligrams. There are zero side effects and it costs you like a dime, right? So why would you not? And do you really need to know specifically if it's helping you? I would argue that if you checked your clock now and checked it again in 10 years, you'd probably see a difference, but you're not going to see a difference in six months. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those things are really long, long game type of things. And I'm not even sure, like when I first measured my uh, telomeres, actually a couple of years ago, it was like 10 years ago, I think. I measured them with two companies and one of them, (laughs) it was really funny. One of them was like, 10 years older, one of them was like 10 years younger, you know, cause they'd use different measurements. I'm like, okay, I mean, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt and you know, some of the stuff too, like if your telomeres are too long, you know, that's not a good thing either, obviously, cause you, you might have more chance for cancer and everything like that. But uh, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm going to buy, for example, TA 65 and that's, you know, that's an expensive supplement. It's not like ECGC, which I agree if it's cheap and there's no risk, then why not? I have a few things that I take that I can't directly measure. And so I'm, I'm not like a hundred percent on measuring everything, but I think when it comes to things like, for example, again, TA 65, which is extremely expensive. It's like, okay. I mean, how do, if I am on a budget, if I have a health budget, how do I justify TA 65 versus, I don't know, something else, right? Something, can I get more from my bang, you know, than, uh, right. So- Right. So what I do, and we haven't, we've gotten to 10 at one, there are seven (laughs) reasons that you age, right? Uh, You know what? Let me plow through them kind of quickly. So people have some idea of what I'm talking about, because what happens is if you rate something in each of the categories, it tells you how potent something is because it's not a one-to-one thing. Like, yeah, TA65 only helps your telomeres, right? Right. But other agents help many categories. And if you can help many categories, more potently for less money and you're on a budget, then that's the way to go. Gotcha. Right? So, all right, so that's tenant one. Tenant two, I call mitochondria. It's energy, right? Your energy yeah. has to supply all of your cells. And of course your mitochondria fail over time and they do it for many reasons, but the big two are, uh, number one is a nicotinamide deficiency. So anyone over the age of 40 is probably nicotinamide deficient, right? Um, and the second one is free radical problems right? We use oxygen because we're aerobic beings. Somewhere between one to 10% of every oxygen molecule gets radicalized. 
your body makes its own endogenous free radical scavengers, but as you get older, they sort of, they don't, they're not as active and you don't make as many, right? So in this category, we want to um, sort of take more nicotinamide and there's many ways of doing that. Um, and we want to uh, sort of bolster our endogenous free radical scavenging ability as well as taking free radical scavengers, right? And those are dirt cheap, so that's super, super easy. That's mitochondria. Three is uh, something that I call pathways. And this is basically sirtuins. There are seven mammalian sirtuin pathways and it starts in your genes and goes to uh, gene products, which are your proteins. And they control pretty much all of aging in your body and they get turned off over time and we need to turn them back on. Uh, there's a pathway called AMP kinase which tells your body if you have energy or not. And this is what intermittent fasting does. It activates your AMP kinase. So it puts you sort of in a state of hibernation. And then of course, it's, there's the mTOR pathway that turns or stays on over time that we need to turn off. And that's why people are talking about rapamycin, which has its own sort of ins and outs. I was gonna ask um, you about rapamycin, what you thought about it. <laughs> um, you know what, let me, let me get back to that. Cause that yeah. is a, that's interesting, interesting subject. And there it are, is, yeah. I have my own feelings that may not exactly be the same as other folks. Um, let's see, but that's uh, pathways for, I call quality control, right? If you have a factory, you have to check your widgets. So this is DNA and protein repair mechanisms. Um, in every cell, every day, you have 10 to the fifth DNA errors. Uh, wow. And if you don't fix them, you're going to get cancer. And you have very specific DNA repair mechanisms, there's four. Uh, depending on how damaged your DNA is, if it's double strand, single strand, what the etiology is, et cetera. Um, and of course those mechanisms fail over time, which is why you have cell failure, apoptosis and or cancer. Uh, and the cool thing is you can bolster all of these things to make them work better. What, what are the four pathways that- uh... It's BER and NER, um, and then it's divided by uh, purines and pyrimidines. Um, I don't want to say too much more. It gets extraordinarily complicated. Okay, um, gotcha. But, but the good news is there are two agents. There's something called AC11 that increases DNA repair mechanisms. And then there's something called polypodium that's sold as fern block, and that increases DNA repair mechanisms. So again, these are things that if you know they're happening, you can fix it, right? Uh, the other thing I put in this category is autophagy, uh, which is sort of cellular recycling. And again, we know that you need to increase autophagy over time and we know things do this. Uh, like for example, the best one in this category is something called spermidine, which is just a fantastic agent. Um, let's see, that's four, five is inflammatory issues, right? Your, it's also, I call it your security immune system, right? When you are younger, you have cells that help you fight infection. And as you get older, the system fails. So you become inflamed all over your body you know, tons of people, aches, pains, inflammatory issues, contributes to neurologic disease, heart disease, atherosclerosis, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's why vaccines don't work as well in older people. And it's why people get leukemias and lymphomas um, as you get older, because those are the, basically the cells that are supposed to be protecting you and they don't function anymore. So they sort of become cancerous. Hmm. Um, the sixth thing, the sixth category, I call uh, individual cell requirements. And this is because a stem cell is different than a senescent cell, which is different from a red cell. And they all have very specific requirements and we need to sort of address them. Um, simple thing to do in this category is to tell everyone to take a multivitamin. And I specifically tell people to take a um, prenatal 
because you are making as many cells uh, a day as if you were pregnant. And if you are not eating a well-rounded diet, you're gonna suffer from micronutrient deficiencies and your cells are not gonna be as good as they should be. Yeah. And then the last category is waste management, right? Because in any good factory, you have to take out the trash. And in this category, we have lipofusion accumulations. Um, and then the big one, of course, is glycation. So when you eat glucose, it circulates in your body, it sticks to things. Uh, sticks to DNA, lipids, proteins, et cetera, uh, creates things called AGEs or advanced glycation end products. And these destroy collagen and they're extraordinarily inflammatory. Uh, so we, that's why people want to reduce glucose levels. But anyway, so in a nutshell, those are the seven cellular reasons that you age. And what I did is I took all of these products that are supposed to help you, rated them in each of the categories so that every agent now comes with a seven digit number that I don't ever expect anyone to remember, but people make grids so that they make sure that they are not aging in each specific category because just mm. one isn't going to help you, right? That's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, pretty much you have, a well, I guess a database or a collection of, of these things and they're all ranked based on all the research and, and what aspects of aging that they have to do with. Oh, absolutely. Because people always say, well, what's, if you could take one thing, what's the most powerful thing? Well, if you look at the numbers, um, it's, it's glucophage, right? It, it helps you in almost every category of aging. Glucophage, is that, isn't that like I'm a sorry, med metformin? That's metformin. metformin, right? Yeah. No, it's doctor mode. Yeah, it's, it's metformin. Um, it's, you need a prescription for it right now, but it's going to be over the counter eventually because it is just so beneficial in each category of aging. And it's very I heard, cheap. I heard to take that every, or at least don't take it on the days you're working out or something like that because it, it might. <laughs> right. So, so what's interesting about metformin, it is a AMP, AMP kinase activator, yeah. right? It tells you that you are starving. They're an inverse relationship between the AMP kinase pathway and the mTOR pathway. Right. So it tells your body not to make muscle because it tells you that you're starving. Yeah. Right. But the half-life is about six hours, which is why it's a twice a day dosing drug. So I actually tell people, if you are a big athlete, don't take it when you're going to work out. So yeah. if, you're, if you're going to go to the gym that day, or if you do every day, take it at night. Because by the time you wake up and you go to the gym, um, the effects are going to be gone. And then you can go back to activating your mTOR pathways. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I was interested in that, but it, it needs a prescription. I don't really, well, I haven't gone through the effort to get that yet. <laughs> well, it's super easy. Actually, there's a fantastic company called um, Ageless RX. And they are a very small company, really nice people. And they have a doctor or two that have uh, licenses in every state, I think. And you just go online, tell them who you are, and they ask you a bunch of questions. And you can get pretty much any anti-aging drug through them without having to talk, you know, your primary care physician into doing it. Oh, interesting. So you can get They're rapamycin really nice through them. People. What? You can get rapamycin through them? Uh, you can. And in fact, they sent me an email yesterday. They are... Here's an ad for them. They are running a study on different doses of rapamycin. So if anyone wants to uh, volunteer to be in a study, uh, that's going to be starting shortly. They're looking for 200 people to take various doses and then get tracked with testing and all that sort of thing. That's really interesting. I Because the last I heard about rapamycin, it was really 
obviously a, you had to get it with a prescription. It was hard to get because a lot of stuff was coming from overseas and quality control was an issue. So it's interesting to see that now there's a company that can do that for you. <laughs> what do you think of yeah, rapamycin? I'm a little leery to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, I think that ultimately it will have a place. Um, my issues of course, is that it, it turns off your mTOR pathway and yeah. a lot of mouse studies that's exceptionally good, right? But they don't live very long. And the problem is that cells that need to turn over can't. And it's been demonstrated that uh, in longer lived animals, if you turn off those cells, the hippocampus cells don't turn over and that's where memories come from. So mm. there's an absolute risk of losing memory. Uh, and there's also the risk of becoming sarcopenic, right? Because it, yeah. it blocks the building of muscle. So I don't know over the course of time when a good time to take that medication is going to be. Like, for example, does it take 20 years to affect you? Does it take 10 years to affect you? And I think that's why all of these studies are going to be extremely important because it, it will have a place in the longevity uh, field. I just don't know where that is yet and no one does. And I just don't think becoming, you know, a sarcopenic, uh, someone that can't remember anything is worth it at this very moment until you get the kinks worked out. You know, I'm very much into risk benefit ratio. And I think right now we don't know what those are. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. For me, it's it has to be affordable, and there has to be a very skewed benefits to risk ratio. For and that makes sense. I mean, that's like anything that you want to invest in, right? I mean, you wouldn't invest in something that has high risk and to low, you know, benefit ratio. I'm really curious. You have uh, aloe vera on there. I'm wondering, you know, what uh, aloe vera is one of the compounds, right? Yeah, I got to tell you, I love aloe vera. What, yeah, why do you love aloe vera? I'm curious. It's obviously a plant. It probably has 70 some agents in it. Mm. And no one exactly knows what does what. But it's extremely potent in almost every aspect of anti-aging. It is an epigenetic modifier. Um, and we haven't mentioned this, but it, it affects your microbiota. So in your gut, it helps that. Um, it releases- As a, Like a prebiotic in a sense or- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It increases um, the tight junctions in your intestinal lining. So you're less really? like toxic. Um, it increases wound healing. So increases collagen regeneration and that sort of thing. Um, it decreases fat accumulation. Uh, if anyone out there wants to go on a diet, there's probably, it takes probably seven steps uh, for fat to be placed in a fat cell to make you fat. And you can block all of those enzymatic pathways, one of which is through aloe vera. But do you um, take it as an extract or how, how would you take it for it to oh be? Oh God, I got to tell you, it tastes terrible. It really yeah, tastes. I mean, it's pretty terrible. strong. I made the, the real of, stuff. Yeah, I, I licked one once. It was like the grossest thing ever. So <laughs> I tend to take things in capsules um, because they've got pretty good bioavailability. Um, you know, it, and, and then you can't really taste it. And I have to tell you on crazy expeditions, uh, when your digestive system probably isn't working as well as it should be, man, aloe vera will take care of that in no time. That's interesting. I mean, I've used aloe vera, you know, for obviously like if I've ever had any digestive distress or anything like that. So I've known that it's been pretty good for that, but I didn't realize it was also an epigenetic modifier. That's, that's really interesting. And when you yeah, say, when it'll, you, it'll be, there'll be a whole chapter on it in the new book. Um, you're writing that, a new book now. Yes. The, the new book will have 32 agents in it mm. um, with a little essay about what they are reviewing, what they do in each of the seven tenants, 
uh, where to get it, how to take it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the really cool things about aloe vera is Alexander the Great went out of his way to conquer an island in the Mediterranean for the aloe plants. And he put really? them- Really? They knew about aloe plants? Of course. <laughs> they put them wow. in wagons and they took them with them on all of their battlefields because they they were, you know, they helped with healing wounds. Wow. That's that important. Now, when you say epigenetic modifier, I'm really curious, is there- or these things that are epigenetic modifiers that you've identified are, are they like, for example, let's use an adaptogenic herb with, you know, cortisol or something like that. When somebody's taking, you know, an adaptogenic herb that helps them if the, you know, whether the, the hormone is too high or it's too low, it'll, it'll somehow mad your body will magically figure out and it just, you can take it. And it's sort of just this thing that helps to adapt regardless of the situation. So with, with epigenetic modifiers, is this the same kind of thing where if you take this compound, whether you're sort of under or over active in that epigenome, it's going to help you get back to the middle and sort of resonate there? Or what does that actually mean? So some of them are extremely straightforward, yeah. right? Some of them specifically hit like a histone acetylator that when you turn it off, you create more of agent X and agent X is good for you. So it's a very one-to-one direct relationship. Gotcha. Other ones are a little bit more vague. Yeah. So we know that it's good for you. We know that it affects the epigenetics of, you know, the methylation at, you know, histone HK27, but we don't have the, the 30 steps to know exactly why that's good for you. So a lot of epigenetics is take it with a grain of salt, you know, it's going to do something. Um, But every time I turn around, they've uncovered a new step. Like now we know why a lot of these things are actually beneficial and half of them we don't. What do you, what do you think about, uh, you know, because right now there's a lot of products when it comes to NAD, for example, and everybody's got a theory on which is more effective. Obviously you've got, you know, the NMN theory, you got the NAD, you have, the products like Protandum, which use sort of these uh, sirtuin stimulator ingredients, right? To sort of activate your sirtuins that way. So what's your take on, on that whole part of the scene? Well, so NAD is super cool. Um, Just to give your audience a a little bit of knowledge, you probably know this, but you know, not everybody does. So NAD, number one, you need more of it as you get older and you have less for whatever reason, right? Because that's just the way life is, Um, right? And you need it for ver- four very specific reasons. You need it because it is a sirtuin co-activator. You can activate your sirtuin until the cows come home, but if you are NAD deficient, it's not going to work. So that, that's number one. Uh, number two, your body actually takes the nicotinamide molecule apart and takes part of it and glues your DNA back together. So if you are nicotinamide deficient and you have DNA damage, and we know that you do, you're not going to be able to repair it. So that's a problem, right? Three, uh, it is very important for the communication between your nucleus and your mitochondria. It's part of the Oxfos shuttle system, right? And then lastly, the most important thing, of course, is we use it in our electron transport chain to make energy. So when you are deficient, you are stuck between a rock and the hard place, like nothing in your cell is going to work. So that's why it's extraordinarily important to bolster it. Right. The question of how to bolster it 
becomes a matter of wars of commercialization, right. uh, <laughs> trademark, uh, inventors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? We know that riboside was the first one to come out via Chromadex, um, and they uh, combined with LCM Health to make a brand or thing called Basis, which was a combination of pterostilbene and nicotinamide. Yeah. And it was fantastic, right? One needed the other, right? Because you need to activate your sirtuins with pterostilbene, um, but it didn't work if you were nicotinamide deficient. So that was a good thing, but I don't know why they made it so damn expensive. Um, and then they weren't all that horrifically successful, but it was, it was a great idea. Um, but then of course they wouldn't share it with anyone because they spent so much money and time developing it so that someone came up with NMN. And it is one enzymatic step away in your body. So does it really matter which one you use? And the answer is probably not. Um, depending on what you can get on sale is probably the one that you should use. And I'm sure the manufacturers will kill me for saying that. As long as you are supplementing it, somehow you're going to be fine. Um, but because these things are expensive and they're all patented, um, other people have figured out other things, right? So there's a nasal spray, there's a transdermal patch, you can inject it, you can go for 1500 bucks and get an IV infusion at your local health place. It doesn't really matter. Um, obviously an infusion is going to be the fastest way to get it into your body. Uh, but I can tell you, I've worked in an operating room for 20 years and no one has ever shown up at the hospital with a severe nicotinamide deficiency that needed yeah. an infusion, right? So if you just want to do it in the standard fashion and take an oral supplement, it'll take probably anywhere between 10 to 20 days, depending on how old you are and how deficient you are to make up the difference. Um, and that way people don't necessarily feel high. They just feel like their energy levels are slowly sort of normalizing. Well, it's, it's interesting to me because I mean, so let's talk about so much that I, I could talk about this kind of stuff for like three hours, but I know, right. Yeah. I love this stuff. <laughs> Clearly like with, I get so excited. With uh, nicotinamide. I mean, there's research that niacinamide, like that version of it is actually detrimental for sirtuin uh, health and, and expression. So, I mean, let's say you, you take nicotinic acid, which costs you, you know, I don't know, $8 for a bottle of 120 pills or something you also would need something you're saying to activate their sirtuins. So the nicotinic acid is, the B3 is basically the raw ingredient that they need to repair the DNA. But then you're saying you also need to include something to, to stimulate the sirtuins to sort of do right. that? Right, so it's, so it's different categories, right? Yeah. So in the pathway category, your sirtuins, your, your one through seven sirtuins, mammalian sirtuins, which control everything from circadian rhythms to how you deposit fat to how much endogenous uh, scavenger you make. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I've got like 17 billion slides about what your sirtuins do. Um, you need to activate them. And the best activators are resveratrol or pterostilbene. And then further down the line is um, uh, KP. Um, para Camphorol? Yes. No, 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 no. Paraflora. It's paraflora. Hmm. Um, it's this little known thing that I ordered because it's fun. Um, oh, uh, you mean um, Thai ginseng? Uh, parviflora. Camphoria parviflora? Wait, wait. Actually, actually I'm going to I'm going to cheat. Because I, I read something about Thai ginseng, black ginseng, basically. Uh, I mean, the name is Camphoria parviflora, but it's supposedly actually five times stronger yeah, than resveratrol. Right, it's Camphora paraflora. Yeah, yeah, that's so yeah, funny. I, I was going to ask you about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it is actually, so you're right. There are two studies that demonstrate that it is more powerful than resveratrol. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for a little bit more evidence. So right now, you know, it's, it's in slot number three, but it, it may improve. Of course, the issue with resveratrol is the bioavailability is terrible. So there's yeah. a war on to increase bioavailability. And there's a war on all of this stuff. Um, so the, the only other issue, I actually think that pterostilbene is better. And clearly the people at basis thought so as well, um, unless you have some issues with um, increased cholesterol. There's, there was some study that demonstrated it could incrementally, just slightly increase your cholesterol issues. So- you know, yeah, take it with I mean, a grain of salt. Somehow you got to activate your sirtuins. The pterostilbene still being as interesting. I just, like, like you said, I, I would love to see more research because there's just not that much research on it, but I think it, it's definitely the most interesting out of all of them. There's veritrol. I've read a lot of things and this kind of, unfortunately, you know, it goes for all these plant compounds, especially when you concentrate them in a, you know, high dosage is that some of them have like, for example, quercetin, kempferol, you know, some of these that are obviously they have a lot of beneficial things. They also do, you know, other things too. Like they disable some thyroid pathways. Uh, I think resveratrol blocks like iodine uptake, uh, you know, and some other other things, you know. So it's, you know, I'm not saying don't take it, you know, because I, I take some resveratrol, but it's like, okay, you know, there's there's a cost to everything, right? <laughs> I mean, well, just... well, there is. And this is why, so number one, you don't have to take a ton, right? Right, yeah. And you can also circulate. I tell people frequently, you know, take a month of resveratrol, take a month of pterostilbene rotate mm. them. Don't, and I never tell people like on, on the bottle of anything, it always says like, take three a day, take six a day. I think that's kind of crap to be honest with you. Um, I tell people to take one a day because again, you're, you're aging tiny, tiny bit every day and we need to fight it a tiny, tiny bit every day. Mm. So assuming that you're on a longevity program, you don't have to kill yourself every day. Now, if you're starting at 70 and you've never been on anything before, we got a little catch up work to do. Right. But if we're doing it religiously and you're sort of, you know, status quo, a little bit every day is really all you need. Cause you're right. You don't want to muck up everything else because things do have side effects and you kind of have to be aware of them. But since you mentioned quercetin, I have to tell you, that's one of my absolutely favorite agents in the world. Oh, really? Um, Oh my God, it's fantastic. And the reason it's fantastic is several fold. Number one, it's one of the few anti-senolytics that we have, right? Mm -hmm. um, two, it's a histamine blocker. So people that have bad allergies tend to do way better. It's a mast cell stabilizer. Interesting. Um, and thirdly, here's one of my new favorite things. It blocks viral replication in cells. So if really? you are quercetin, you are way less likely to have any issues with vac with uh, viruses, you know, especially COVID. And is there a particular form or way that you take it that's more bioavailable? So I kind of, I, I like this company and I hate to mention companies, but I like this company called Rev Genetics that's down here in Florida because they put everything in a nanomycel. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the bioavailability is much higher. That's really interesting. I mean, it's so cool to see you know, like studies like that, where it, like with the viral blocking, because I mean, there's so many, every problem that comes from nature, there's also a solution, I believe in nature somewhere. We just haven't found it yet. You know, if, we, if we're looking, so it's so interesting because I think that so many people could benefit from, again, it's like, you know, you wonder where we would be if everybody was doing these things, you know, on a regular basis, well, if they changed their mentality about aging, about health and took their health into their own hands, where would we be in terms of health and society. I mean, it's just an interesting thought. It's a really interesting thought. 
Oh, it's fantastic. And so what's interesting is I create so programs for people, right? Because you need yeah. to block all of the issues. And people come to me and they go, you know, I don't want to age, but I also am fill in the blank, right? Diabetic, yeah. atherosclerotic, I get bad headaches, family history of neurologic disease, whatever it is. And if you take apart that disease, it falls into one of the seven tenets, right? Mm -hmm. So diabetes always falls into category seven, it's waste management. So what we do is we block glucose absorption, we block uh, production of AGEs, and then we can even strip AGEs. So you can be diabetic or have a propensity to be diabetic and yet not necessarily suffer from the effects of the glucose, right? So one of these things, you know it ahead of time, you can fix it. If you have autoimmune diseases or if you have you know, inflammatory issues, falls into category five. We load up on things that are anti-inflammatories. Uh, for example, like endograffolide, it's a fantastic anti-inflammatory um, and it crosses the blood-brain barrier. And we know that a lot of neurologic disease, a component of that is neuroinflammation. So if you can block that, your relative risk goes down. And again, I'm not out to cure every disease, but you can yeah. minimize risk. And I think that's what that's sort of like the key take-home point. If you know what's coming, fix it. No, I love that. I mean, it's it's really about minimizing as much as possible. And to me, it's like, especially now, I think especially now we live in such a an exciting time to be alive because things are changing so rapidly uh, that, you know, every day there's some new, some new thing, you know, some new study, some new discovery. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, if I could extend my life, my health span, right? That's really what it's all about. If I could extend my health span so I could be cognitive, so I could move around, so I could do things you know, the quality of my life doesn't change. And I can extend that period of time long enough for more crap to come out <laughs> you know, just to be alive. You know, it's just, I don't know. Some people, it's, it's interesting to me when I have these kind of conversations with my friends, because some people are like, well, do you want to live forever? I'm like, you know, honestly, I'll be quite honest with you. If I had the opportunity to live forever, I would take it. If I could just die on my own terms and say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to die. Fine. I'll go and kill myself or do something crazy, you know, but that's fine. You know, if I could live forever, to me, the idea of exploring space and seeing, you know, whatever, all kinds of new advances in technology and exploring just the mystery of the the world we find ourselves in. I, I think it's like, who wouldn't want to do that? I mean, I'm, I'm hungry for that experience. Why, why wouldn't you want to be, uh, you know, and, and think also too, and you can give me your perspective on this too, because I think it's a fascinating topic is ultimately if we do extend our health spans, I mean, let's say, you know, people start living 150, 200 years, you know, which is very reasonable to think, or at least everybody starts living much longer health spans to the point where, uh, you know, certain institutions in life fundamentally change. Like for example, you know, having uh, different careers, you know, you could be, let's say you live to be 200. I mean, the biggest travesty, one of the biggest travesties in my opinion is that we grow old older and we gain wisdom and experience that the only way you can gain it is through time. There's no other way. You have to, you have to just put your time in and make mistakes and just learn. But by the time you learn that wisdom, your body's failing you. And it's like, fuck, I can't use this, you know, wisdom. And so that's the greatest travesty to me. So if you could extend that time and live to be, you know, 200, I mean, Think about how many things you could master or how many things you could share with other people. Like, hey, I've got somebody with, you know, 90 years of experience doing this. It's like, that's just a crazy thought, but it, what a what a gift that would be, you know, to, to have that level of richness in your experience. You know, it's funny you should say that I had to give a lecture to a leadership group 
a year or two ago, it was right before COVID hit. And the guy was asking me, well, why would longevity have any reference or relevance to my company? And I cited exactly that example, right? Mm. Why is the old guy in the corner that knows more than everyone in this office put together? You're going to retire him because he can't walk up the stairs, Yeah. right? But what if he could? What if he was just the most energetic person in the world? He could take your company to the next level because he's yeah. been there, that he's got the connections, he's got the information, he has the experience. It just helps everybody. It yeah. really does, you know. And the other thing that I find extraordinarily painful is I watch people as they get older. You know, they take all of their energy and they put it in their career, and then they retire and then they die. Yeah. Where's the fun in that, right? You you put in your time, you save your money. My God, wouldn't you want to travel the world and jump out of airplanes or you know go on adventures or do whatever it is you can do? It would just be miserable to now all of a sudden be handicapped and unable to enjoy all the energy that you've saved, right? I mean, it's crazy. And it's a fate that everybody, or a lot, I shouldn't say everybody, but it's a fate that a lot of people resign themselves to. You know, I used to, I used to work in when I was doing a lot of teaching with dancing and stuff like that, I would go into some senior centers here. Cause I mean, Arizona Phoenix is like the number one retiree capital of, I think maybe, you know, Florida is, oh, what is it? Second, you're, oh, you're up there too, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, Phoenix is, is huge. And so I used to go to a lot of the, the elder homes and, you know, teach and stuff. And it's just, it was uh, you know, it was a sobering experience because you'd see, you know, it was, it was inspiring too, because you'd see some ladies, like for example, the women, especially I think men, tend to drop off much faster, but women who were doing yoga and taking care of themselves, whatever, and they were 90 and, you know, spry and they were dancing around and stuff. It was very inspiring. I was like, you know, like, that's really cool. Like, I hope that I get to live that long and to be that sort of motivated and spry, you know, it's such a sad thing to see somebody just rotting from the inside and they can't do anything about it because it's, again, there's their biomechanics are, are failing and their brain is failing and they have too much inflammation, too much, all this kind of stuff that we talked about. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a sad reality that people just work, 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 and then you retire, and then you can't even enjoy all the years of your retire, your, your, your effort, you know? Yeah. Right, so, so I think we should just plan to live forever. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's my plan. God willing, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's a crazy time to be alive, man. It's uh, you know, you look at some advances too. Like I saw, I have, I follow a lot of these like technological pages, you know, they're always posting some crazy shit. And so they, this guy had a, he was born with, you know, like a, whatever, like a, a mouth, you know, a small hand or something, something just wasn't right with his arm. And so he had to use a prosthetic and the way this thing hooked, it was literally, he could, it was like a glove. Like he take it on, take it off. And it had electrodes and it would go on his arm and he's sitting there and he's like, you know, move, you, people can't see this cause you know, it's an audio, but in video I'm showing kind of my hand flickering around with fingers and he's playing piano with it. I'm just like, wow, like that, like really hit me. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the 21st century now. This is some crazy shit. Like people are, we're moving in such an exciting and I mean, strange and weird world. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I think it it's going to be totally, a lot of fun. No, yeah. it's totally fun, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's totally amazing. And, and, I, and I think that we just need to convince people that this is not, you know, quackery, that it's super real. It's very yeah. cool. It's doable. It's not horribly expensive. It's not for the elite. It's for absolutely everyone. Yeah. Right. Which is why And back to your TA 65 thing, I started taking that. And then I realized, you know what, even for me, 
it's not cost effective, yeah. right? So I take astragalus just small increments every day. Why? Because it's dirt cheap and it's the same thing. It's just not concentrated, right? Yeah. So there are just alternatives for everybody so that everyone can jump on the longevity train without feeling left out or, you know, like I, I think that a lot of people just think, oh my God, I can't afford it. It's not for me. Yeah, like it's some ritzy thing. Right, and, and it's really not. It is so easy, not expensive, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that's sort of what we need to convey more than anything else. Gr granted, the electric can thing is pretty damn cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see now there's like uh, all these virtual reality sets too, that people are kind of integrating with uh, integrated reality, you know, to do meetings virtually and have avatars and stuff. It's like, man, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I guess every generation probably felt this way. You know, you think about, you know, people in the forties and fifties and they saw like TVs happening and then, you know, it's like, it was such a sudden thing or with automobiles, you know, and to us, it's just every day. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting time to be alive. Anything that you're excited about as far as like research or things that you've read or things that are like your man, I'm really excited. Like in the next couple of years, maybe this might come out anything. Um, well, you know what? People always ask me like, what is the next big thing? And, and I think that longevity is incremental. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that people are going to have to realize is that it isn't going to be one pill that you take that saves the world. Right. Right. Because everyone ages different speeds, different reasons, just because of the cellular way that you, you, you approach it. Um, what I do think is going to happen is people are going to get on the bandwagon. People are going to be healthier. Lives are going to be longer. Um, and instead of taking 27 pills, we may get it down to 10. Um, and maybe we'll realize that some of them are kind of bullshit and other ones are more important than others. Right. Uh, I think we'll get better at timing. Like clearly a 20 year old is aging differently than a 30 year old, 40, 50, 60, 70. Um, I've tried to start that now. Like I've got 30 year olds on certain things, 40 year olds on certain things, you know, when an 80 year old comes to me, oh my gosh, then we have to sort of start from scratch. And then it's sort of really important to hit the basics and then move on. Um, but I think what's going to happen over the course of time, it's going to become more personalized and extremely specific. Um, I think that's where we're going. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, how do you, let's say somebody wants to to jump on this, you know, and kind of take a look at the rating system, you know, and kind of go through, through all that. How do, I guess, how do you screen yourself or do they have to get screened to know okay, where, where are my priorities? Like if let's say somebody doesn't have diabetes or something very obvious, there's still a, a sort of custom aging path that they're taking with their body based on their genetic makeup. And so how do they know that? How do they figure that out? How do they know their priorities? Um, okay, so base, if someone does not have any medical problems, we make certain assumptions that in general, people start significantly aging at the age of 35. Yeah. Now, granted, life is a bell-shaped curve, right? So not everyone, but statistically speaking, at least in terms of like kidney function, heart function, stuff that we can measure as doctors, things start to decline at 35. So by the age of 40, you can assume that your sirtuins are going down, your nicotinamide's going down, you're moderately glycated. You can assume that you're sort of declining in each of the categories moderately evenly, unless you've got a familial predisposition for one category versus another. Gotcha. Therefore, what we do is we set up programs so that you get an equal number of points um, in each of the tenants of aging, right? And then the question is, how do you figure that out? 
So um, I don't actually have a longevity office. Um, I will tell you that this is a ridiculously elaborate hobby that I have constructed <laughs> um, because I, <laughs> I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist. This is literally just for fun that it just got a little bit crazy and out of control. Um, so I do have a website, it's called Kaufman Protocol and it goes through the seven tenants and it explains the agents and it sort of helps you figure out what you need to do for yourself. Um, there is an app again called Kaufman Protocol you put, put your areas of interest in there, how old you are, how many pills you want to take, et cetera, et cetera. And it sort of spits out the easy answer. Mm. And then for people that are absolutely desperate and can't figure it out, I answer all emails myself. Uh, usually after a podcast, it takes me a little while to catch up. I get flooded, but I do answer everyone's emails. Uh, me, myself, and I, I don't have any assistance because I'm not that rich. Sometimes my 14-year-old helps me, but not usually. Those um, are the best. They're free assistants. Right? She's, she's going to sue me for child labor laws. She does all of my posts and, and, and that sort of thing. And then she always yells at me and like, whatever. Uh, she's a terrible speller though. So if anything gets posted erroneously, I will. You know, it was her. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. She's failed grammar. Um, that, that being said, I help people individually um, or they can figure it out. Uh, my whole goal is to give people the tools so that they can sort of figure it out for themselves. And if not, I'm sort of always here in the background to help out. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. Well, Hey, one more question for you. What are you most grateful for today? Oh gosh. What am I grateful for today? God, there's so many choices. I would, you know what, Here, here's a, a something you're probably not expecting. So I probably have put 50 kids to sleep today because this is what I do every day. And I am just extraordinarily thankful that, um, nothing bad has happened to any of these children. Um, they're all pretty healthy and if they had illnesses, we could fix them and that my own family and friends are extraordinarily helpful. I mean, uh, healthy and, and on the right track because I think that's what life is, right? You make the healthy continue on their path and you make the unhealthy as healthy as you could possibly be. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Sandra. You know, time only moves forward and life changes constantly, but growing old should be something we look forward to. You know, we have more experience. We can make better decisions. Hopefully <laughs> we have more wisdom. You know, we have more understanding of things, but unfortunately, because health also declines, it makes things tricky, right? So there's this window of time when we're healthy and we're also wise or wiser that we want to expand as much as possible. And that's your health span, not your lifespan, but your health span. We want to be healthy and also, you know, able to do what we can do and think and, and go about our day and, and have the advantages of old age. There's nothing wrong with growing old. It's growing unhealthy. That's the problem. So I hope this episode educated you. It's given you some tools. Go check out the Kaufman protocol, kaufmanprotocol.com. Get a little more info about that and kind of get started. If you want to take a little more, active steps in your biohacking adventure. It's always an adventure, right? And let's not forget, great old quote by Nietzsche, one of my favorite philosophers, that which does not kill me makes me stronger. Classic quote from a classic thinker in the 20th century. You know, 2020 was a rough year, but in the same sense, if you're listening to this, you made it out alive. So, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's a great opportunity to look back on the lessons that you learned from that year 
and figure out, okay, what can I do differently? You know, aging moves in one direction. And every year we get a little older, we get a little more slower, we get something happens in the body, you may get a little more pain here, something happens all the time. And so it's a constant routine, constant dance that we have to engage in to maintain our health and to maintain that health span. Such a valuable thing to have energy and to enjoy your time without any obligation. What a beautiful thought, right? But it's such a dance to create this simple, simple outcome. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, your weekend, wherever you happen to be. And when you happen to be listening to this, make sure you tune in on Tuesday and for a little Tuesday transformation. And don't forget, your life is a dance. All this stuff we talk about, it is a constant dance. So go out there and dance it well, right? That's the idea. Go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.